0: Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. Well, there are four major conflicts that every believer, every believer must battle. Four major conflicts That every believer must battle. And I want to give them to you real quick and then we're going to walk through and we're going to talk about them. Four major conflicts. The first is keeping a pure heart. That's a big battle. Come on, if you've ever been in church a long time, it's hard to keep a pure heart. Number two is this. Who Who will I surrender my heart to? Who will I surrender my heart to? The third is, how do I take care of God's family? How do I take care of God's family? And the third is, fourth is, doing right today. These are the four conflicts that we have in pursuing the Lord, in growing our relationship with the Lord. And so we're going to turn to James. or They're going to have it up here. But we're going to read James. And we're going to read the first part of this. And we're going to get out, uh, uh, I really, I think, some concepts that are going to help us. James chapter 4. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they, come, do they not come from the desires or from your pleasures that war within your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you don't ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers, adulteresses. You may not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God. Or do you not think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Come on, that's a good part. Come on, is that good? But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, resist God resists the proud but gives grace, come on, to the humble. I want to talk a little bit about this because as we look at this, James comes out of the gate strong. I mean, he's like, I I mean, right out of the gate, he's beginning to talk about, the condition of the church and where the church is. And you know, if we're going to keep it real, can I just say this about uh, just church in general? We've got to use the Bible. We've got to, we're going to get off as a culture if we're more into opinions than we are the word. We've got to dig into the word. And here's the thing, if sermons are softer than the word, Then here's what the Bible says in the last days, there will be sermons that tickle our ears. Now, I'm a parent. Sometimes I have to enforce the rule. But I cannot be heavy all the time. There's sometimes I've got to come in and I've got to love and I've got to pat and I've got to, you're a winner and you're awesome and you're great and encouraged. And then sometimes I've got to say, whoa, 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 we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not going to act that way. That is not going to produce results in your life. And so, no, you can't do that. And and I think that if we're all no, then we live under the law. And if we're all yes, then we have churches full of babies and babies are messy. And so as a family of God, we've got to have mature, producing adults. In and, and, and Timothy, it talks about how at, when I was a man, I put away childish things and I matured and I grew. And so there's got to be this maturing, but there's also got to be these babies. Listen, we can be a church that has all young people and young believers and it's messy. And uh, we're looking at Facebook and everybody's, oh man, one day they're saved and one day they're not. And we think, oh, well, we know that church. Well, babies are babies. And then we can be the other church that has the Hammond 3B organ. Come on. We got one tambourine. Everybody, the youth group is age 65. Come on. And... Everybody is dignified. Everybody knows that thou shalt and brothers and amens and hallelujahs. And we all have, we are versed in church ease and we know how to live righteous. But there's no life. Yeah, and everybody's dying. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, dying. I mean, spiritually, spiritually. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> the reality is, as we look in James, We've got to see that these are the conflicts that are in us. And I want to talk about the first one. As we look at this, James is saying, keep your heart pure. Keep it pure. I, I don't know about you, but there's conflict everywhere. And conflict is so easy. Come on, some of you, I, I, Katie and I, it was so funny when we first got married. She, they didn't really have a lot of conflict. They had meetings and discussions and they wrote letters me and my family, we got on it. You know what I'm saying? It was like yeah, every holiday was like gifts, fight. You know what I mean, it's like we knew it was going down. I mean, this is we were loud, we were obnoxious. We we everybody said what they thought, and so when I remember when we first got got married. You know, I, Katie was like. I need to tell you something, and I'm like, oh, man, I mean, I'm like, I have the time, I grew up. Come on, it's playing in my head. You know, I'm like, rising up. I'm a survivor. It's playing. I'm like, you want to fight? Let's go. And she's like, no, I just want to. I want to talk a little bit. Talk. What are you talk about. Let's roll up our let let's work this marriage out. You know, and, and so there is conflict that we all deal with. And we all are different people with different backgrounds. All of us come through from some area of brokenness. And, and we have to, the way we were brought up, our backgrounds, what we had, what we didn't have, our personalities, come on. Some of us are introverts. Some of us are extroverts. Me, my wife is an introvert. And some of you are introverts. And, and you're trying to figure out how you fit in the church. Because when you walk in, everybody's like, ah! And you're like, I just want to think a little bit could everybody not hug me please just, just give me a pat like a high-five will do you know and so I remember when we when, when we first got married I would be like okay babe where do you want to go eat and I'm, I'm an extrovert so the first time you hear it is the first time I heard it you know what I'm saying we're just it's I'm thinking out loud I'm just like this is how we roll and so I would say hey babe where do you want to go eat yeah it was that silence and I was like, I'm, I'm looking for a response. What world were you raised in? What's going on? Why, why don't you know how to, the rhythm of a conversation, just I, I say something, you say something back. But it was silence. Silence. And so in her mind, she's thinking, "I don't know where I want to eat. What did I have yesterday? I had chicken. Huh, do, I, do I want chicken again? I don't know if I want chicken again. Let's see. What time is it? What are they, oh, if we go to that restaurant, it's really busy. I don't want to go there. And then if we go to that restaurant, their, their food's a little cold. At this time, it's two o'clock. I don't. She's. But 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 all of this is happening internally, and I'm here going. <laughs> And I'm like, what's wrong with you? And she's like, I'm thinking. I was like, ah, it's not supposed to be this hard. <laughs> now we got people who are text-overts. text <laughs> Introvert, extrovert, text Some people can't tell you how they feel unless it's a long text. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, like to your face, they will never say anything. But in a text or a Facebook or social media, <laughs> you know, I mean, they're all the corporal tunnel. <laughs> I mean, And it's like, continue, 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 continue. And you're like, I didn't know all that was in you. And I just, I just needed a keyboard. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, got you, got you. And it's amazing. We all have triggers. We all, truth is we all have triggers. And and, and I love the fact that God has given us through um, professionals and counselors and pastors and leaders that there are tools to help us overcome our past. I think one of the great tools is Celebrate Recovery. I mean, I just, those areas and, 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 and places that really help people break and get through their past. Yeah. Develop the skills that they need to be able to communicate and, and to deal with each other and to, to maybe just learn some new habit patterns. I think that's great and that's awesome. But James gets down to the real and raw and here's basically what he says in the first couple of verses. He says, Every human relationship will have conflict everyone will have conflict and the conflict is going to be with your with mankind and with God you're gonna have a conflict with each other and with God and you can overcome it if okay now let's talk about the if James is saying that conflict happens when you want to please yourself When you want to please yourself, when you become self-led, then what happens is we begin to start having conflict with everyone. In other words, when pleasing self becomes the priority, our heart begins to be hard and we push everyone away and we push everyone out of our life. The truth is we all have to deal with conflict. And the reality is James is saying, yes, there are. you, you, You want to know the truth about, about the adversity and what's going on is it you're selfish I'm so sel- I'm selfish and here's what he goes on to say is is When your self and your heart is in the right place, then everything works and everything moves after its own kind. So when selfishness enters the heart, it changes everything. And now you're fighting with all of the people in your life because they won't let you do the things you want to do. We got to be Christ-led, not self-led. And the truth is, we all deal with conflict. And this happened because of the fall of man in Genesis. The, the fall of man. Adam and Eve. Adam sinned. And sin came into the world. And now we all have this, this desire to do it our own way. Ain't nobody going to tell me no. I'm grown. I'm gonna tell, no, no, nobody. No. And here's the thing. is The Bible is totally different than the world. The world says, go your own way. Do your own thing. Do it how you want to do it. And God says, surrender, submit. It's totally totally different. And so as we look at this, when we become self-led, our desires begin to change. We think we can make it alone. When we pray, come on, our prayers are to promote us and not the kingdom. Come on, God... You know I need that bass boat. Ain't nothing wrong with a bass boat. Bass boat, having a bass boat, there's nothing wrong with it. Except for, what are you going to do with it? Is it going to be ministry? Or is it going to be for you? There's nothing wrong with a big house. This is not a poverty gospel. But the reality is, it is a youth using gospel. In other words, God is not into entitleship. He's into sonship. Yeah. Entitlement means you, God will just dole it out because he's your sugar daddy. And he's just going to, come on, bills, baby, bills. He's just going to give you whatever you want, whenever you ask. And he's going to let you do whatever you want. Okay? It's sonship. Sonship means I will give you everything in my kingdom, but you need to turn the light off when you leave. On, you need to lock the door. You need to take care of the car. You need to clean it out. You need to put oil up in this thing. You know what I'm saying? You need to fill up the gas. You need, you need to take care of this. You're not just going to use it and wreck it and live for yourself, but if you're a son and you're a daughter under the king, then you are a kingdom mindset person, and that means there's sonship, not entitlement. And a lot, of, a lot of believers, we just, God is the sugar daddy. Come on. It's either Lotto or God, 7-Eleven. And the reality is God has a plan and God has desires and you have to come into His lane. He is not coming into yours. You've got to come into His lane. Proverbs 18, verse 16. And I just want want us to to see this. For some of you business people out there, and you've got to walk a very fine line. And I understand it. But can I tell you this? Make sure that you don't overcommit and underdeliver and sell something that you can't do. Because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great men. In other words, what happens is God, God will, makes room and your gift will make room. You don't need to manipulate. It doesn't need to be selfish. It doesn't, well, I can get that for you. And you have no idea what you can really do. Your gift will make room for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Here we go. I'm going to use you guys. Come over here real quick. Come here real quick. Just YouTube guys. Come here real quick. That's all right. We're, 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 you guys stand shoulder to shoulder just like this. No, no, no. no. Yeah. Face me. That's all right. It's cool. All right, a lot of times, even when people go to church, they see a church like this, and whatever reason, but, but they're like, oh, they look around and they go, oh, all the spots are full. Okay, sound, worship, door, singer, preacher, kid's person, uh, wife. I, everything's full, there's nothing for me to do. But here's the thing. The Bible says the gift makes room for you. In other words, there was no room, but then all of a sudden as you come up, it begins to open up things that you didn't even know were there. Right. See, see, here's what you need to see about the kingdom of God. The world sees a wall and wants to build a ladder. But God says, I go before you and I make your way straight. Right. Does that make sense? You guys go ahead and give him a big hand. Don't, don't come here and think all the jobs are done because the reality is at this level they may be, but we, we got another level and at this other level, I have no idea. People are like, well, pastor, where are we going? Well, I got, of, I got a couple of ideas. I got some vision, but I need to know you first because I don't know. What gifting do you have? Yeah, come on, that's good. Yeah. What's God called you to do? I, I have no idea, but I know this. I know this. Your gift will make room for you. That's, right. Right. Yes. That, that's what I know. Jesus modeled. I mean, if anybody could have been a little selfish, come on, Jesus didn't name drop. When he saw Andrew and Simon on the boat with their father, Zeb, he didn't walk up and go, hey, y'all know who I am, right? Y'all know who my daddy is. Well, you know, let's just say this. Abraham served him. Moses followed him. He didn't do that. There was no self-promotion. The reality is our world promotes because all we have is this life. But as a believer, we are moving through this life. And we have something else and we are going somewhere else. So it's not just about all that you amass in this life and it's over. There is something more. The Bible's not against having stuff, so this is not what this message is about. The Bible's about the stuff having you. It's about the stuff having you. Who has your heart, sir? Ma'am, who has your heart? Who is your bestie? Come on. Bestie for the restie. Who's your bestie? The Bible says that if you are friends with the world, you are an enemy to God. Now, okay, that doesn't mean you're on God's hit list. You know what I'm saying? God ain't in the cartel. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) What it means is that God is going this way and the world is going this way. And so you're trying to push against an immovable force. And so you are in opposition because God is going one way. And He wants to go one way with you. And you'll never be happy pushing against God's plan for your life. You'll never be happy. You may make it for a while. You may run for a while. You may disconnect for a while. You may try to turn off that thing for a while, but it will always cycle you back around and you'll always feel the need to come back around because there's a calling on your life bigger than the hurt or the issue that you just went through. Does this make sense? Who has your heart? James is saying, listen, worldliness cannot have your heart. I see so many believers giving themselves self-inflicted wounds. Jesus came to set the captives free, and there is a choice. Listen, we live under grace so we can live. We're not under grace so we can sin. We're under grace so it's not heavy. The law is a taskmaster. You're not good enough. We are under grace so we can live this life. We're not under grace so we can sin. Listen, I bought car insurance in case I got into a wreck. I didn't buy car insurance so I could wreck my car. And a lot of people want to see grace as their car insurance and so they can live however they want now. <laughs> While everyone in the family has been hurt by your wreck. Come on, we can't throw our kids from the car. We can't throw our... Well, I understand you're saved, but are you driving safe? Does it make sense? So quickly sin can get into our heart. Sin. And we know, we all, everyone, you know, we got our top ten biggies. The biggie sins. But I, I'm not even talking about the big sins. What about busyness? What about being preoccupied with the world? What about wanting and having a desire to pray, but the desire for Netflix overruns the desire for prayer? Come on, I got to get my Jesus in. Y'all know. Hallelujah, amen. Praise God. We got, we got good verbiage, bad follow through. Come on, no, I, I'm not going to go on a rampage here because I don't want to get into opinion. But there are some shows, and I'm not getting into the law, so don't even go there with me. I don't want no emails. <laughs> but if you're okay, With having shows on your TV that they are openly doing what you would discipline your kids for, there's hypocrisy. And we say we're old enough to take care of it and we're old enough to watch it and we're old enough and it's okay and God knows and God knows my heart. uh And your children are growing up with your approval. See, I'm not not trying to make everybody feel bad, but the reality is James says to the believers, don't you find it interesting that he is talking to people who are being scattered, persecuted. People, believers are dying. And instead of James patting everybody on the back saying, hey, we understand it's hard. It's very, very hard. Wow, this is a terrible time. He raises the bar. Listen, the reality is he says, you adulterers, and I I, I said this last week, but I don't think that's the text you send to people for encouragement. Hey, I was thinking about you today, you adulterers and (laughs) adulteresses. Just was praying for you, a little prophetic word, just praying for you. Listen, but he is saying spiritually, you love too. You love the world and you love me. And I don't share. I don't share. My bed don't warm two places, baby. You're either hot or you're cold. And sometimes we stumble. And that's why he ends with, but God's grace. But we don't choose to stumble. Okay? We don't choose that. Listen, 2 Peter, and I don't have time to read this. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. But Peter gives us an insight to say, all of this stuff's going to go away. All of it is. We're going to a new heaven and a new earth, and it's totally different. And we've got to be able to live holy without being religious. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Because here's the deal. I don't like religious people either. I don't like pompous, arrogant church people that look their nose down because you're not on their status. But here's what James is saying. There is no excuse for sin. Come on. And we hear it all the time. Well, it's been so rough. Well, you know, she, she got mad at me first, so then I did. And we all have the excuse. And can I tell you, you can make excuses for progress, but you can't make both. You can't make both. I am tired of seeing believers live in gray areas and say it's okay under the under the grace, and then it destroy their family. Mm. Come on, you were just reconnecting with that Facebook friend, and then all of a sudden you met. Then all of a sudden you went out, and all of a sudden it turned into a deal. Come on, we didn't just get there. I know that. I know that wasn't even your intention. All you did is go with a couple couples and all y'all did is each wife and each husband started dancing with another partner because you know what? We just wanted to have fun and all of a sudden, now there's this attraction. You didn't want that to happen. There was not in anybody's heart. and nothing's, nothing is wrong with it, nothing. Here we go. You know, after work, a hard day, it was just a beer but a beer turned into being drunk, then you said something to your kids, got mad, you wounded them, you hurt them. Nothing wrong with it, except for gray areas take you to places that you don't want to be in. Does this make sense? You were just blowing off some steam. You didn't mean to say it, you were just talking. You didn't mean for it to get out of hand, but all of a sudden, one little thing. Come on. It only takes a spark to get a what? Fire moving. And I'm telling you, I am not trying to raise my kids to live here. Because one adversity, one temptation, one whatever, I fall. I'll move away from the edge, baby. Come on, there's life and life more abundantly. You're not going to be broken. You're not going to be addicted. This is not under the law. God wants you free. Attractive. The second thing is, who will I surrender my heart to? There's a lot of people who love the Lord in their heart, but they haven't surrendered. You know, the truth is, we were in Belize, and, and I, we took my youngest son, he's seven, and uh, he, he's compliant. He did what we asked him to do, but there was just a little hint you know what I'm saying? Parents, you know what I'm talking about? There was this little, hey, will you go do this? Just a little bit of, a little bit of whine, a little bit of not sure. I am blessed by God to be, you know man. i mean? just, just a little, little bit of whiny, a little bit of why do I have to do that? A little bit of second guessing, like, you know, go ask mom, go ask dad, go ask mom again. Just a little bit of, and I just looked at him, and, and, and we'd had a great day, and I just said, bro, We need to talk. You love mom and I. But you're pushing and you're trying to put your will over our will. And and that ain't how this works. You live in my world, bro. One one day, you will have your own house and you can make whatever decision you want. But right now, you don't. (laughs) And so you're going to have to submit to this process. And here's the thing. You don't have to like it. But I don't want to hear all the complaining and whining and whatever when we say something. Because here's the deal. I'm going to say it once. But here's the deal. We we do the same thing as Christians. <laughs> I'm gonna church. I'm gonna life grow. Oh, they're gonna talk about tithing again. Oh, not a hit. You love God. He's just a little reluctant. Come on, you know what I'm saying? James is talking to all of us about reluctancy. We've got to make sure that we sur- we're we going to surrender to something. Surrender the process. The Bible, look at this. Let's look at this next part. Verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. This doesn't sound like the law. This sounds like freedom to me. Come on, does this make sense? draw near to God and he'll draw near to you, cleanse you, hand you sinners." (gasps) What? How dare him? This is the new tea, baby? We don't say that. All has been washed away. You can't call believers sinners. You're a name-caller, James. And you're gonna hurt people's self-esteem if you call them a sinner. I'm not trivializing it because I'm not for bullying but I am saying that some things are not just a mistake and some things are not just a problem and some things are not just an issue some things are sin. You hear what I'm saying? And James, the brother of Jesus, who knew the redemption, knew the freedom, and knew all that Christ had said, was the one that said, You sinners. Now, you can be offended at that if you want, but I've been along, I've been at life long enough, 42 years. Paul said, I'm the chief one, and here's the deal I'm running second. And if you're here in this place and you don't know that you've been that, then you can't really see. Yes, the blood of Christ makes us free and it makes us free indeed. But you need to know how you came. And you came broken and hurting and had nothing to offer. And He gave you everything. You hear what I'm saying? Here's what the process is. Submit to God. Not walk with God. Walking with God and submitting to God are two different processes. Okay? A lot of people can hang out with someone as long as they agree. Hey, you want to go to uh, Andy's and get a little ice cream? Yeah! Hey, you want to go over here to Catfish King? Yeah! Hey, I think I'm going to do sushi. I'm not doing sushi. We, we, there's a difference between agreement and submission. Here's what he says: The process is, if you want to be free, submit to God, resist the devil. Now, I don't know if you guys work out, but sometimes I work out with these resistant bands. You know, the highest level. And and, and uh, <laughs> just kidding, it's not. <laughs> uh, but but we all have dreams. Uh, like, eh. <laughs> but there's a resistance, and it's hard, and it's hard to go against the enemy because he is enticing you based on what's in you like you already want to do that but i want to be free so i'm going to go towards and it's it's resistance but here's what here's what the bible says look at this look at this submit to god resist the devil and draw near come to me Come to me, and guess what? What will happen next? Clean your hands. It's it's, it's funny. He doesn't say, clean your hands and come to me. He says, come to me, and we'll clean your hands. You don't have to be all clean and perfect. And I'm ready to receive God now. (laughs) Just come jacked up, messed up and He w- will begin the process of cleaning you. And it talks about taking your, your laughter and making it mourning. And I know when I first read that, at being young, I thought, he talks about joy, and then he says, don't laugh. Uh oh, weird. You know? But this laughter isn't like joyful laughter in the Lord. This laughter is um, uh, when we laugh at, at jokes that are, that are vulgar, vulgar kind of just this worldly mindset of, And he's saying, hey, the world that you're living in is taking you somewhere you don't want to go. And you need to weep and mourn over that because the reality is there's a lot of people that have probably been hurt. Let's get back over here. Let's get back over here. And And it ends with humbling yourself. Church, we cannot be a strong church and we cannot grow if we are arrogant. We've got to be humble people. The third one is this. How do I take care of God's family? This is a conflict. How do I take care of God's family? Okay. In this verse, it just got done talking about the wise. Let's, talk, let's, 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 let's look at this. Verse 11. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. Brethren, not sinners. Brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges a brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? (laughs) Ew, come on. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are like, that's right, don't judge it doesn't say don't walk in wisdom he just got done in chapter three talking about wisdom there is difference come on you can judge if a Mack truck is coming at 85 miles an hour and you cannot cross the street and here's the thing you can judge and, and, and look at people and their life and who your f- kids friends are and who your mates friends are you can make an assessment you cannot condemn okay everybody We'll, we'll, well, everybody judge me. No, no, no. They looked at your fruit, and they saw that there wasn't much. And so we love you, and we're for you, and we want you to be here. But we've got to bear much fruit. And so if Jesus went to inspect the tree and found nothing, he judged it. He looked at it. You, here's what: There is only one judge and jury, and it is not us. And we don't have the right to speak evil over somebody else. We don't have the life right to, to speak and, and condemn somebody. Listen, this church, we've got to be a church that loves all colors, all backgrounds. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We've got to be a church. Someone comes in with seven earrings all up on this. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, like they do them re- reversible. Got a fidget spinner on their head. I mean, mm-hmm. all, all I'm saying. I don't care how they come. We're not going to sit in judgment because they come we got to have a church that doesn't speak evil over people. But it's okay to assess. Come on, not anybody's coming to take my kid to the bathroom. You just got to know that. Well, I go to your church, I understand that. (laughs) But God gave them to me and not you, baby. And so there's going to be some assessment, but there is going to be no condemnation. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? No condemnation. we got to be a church because if not, here's what will happen. Only perfect people will come to this church and we'll all falsify it. And here's what will happen. What if one of our young people, God forbid, and I'm not professing this, but I'm just saying, what if one of our young people in in a moment of rebellion, because the Bible says young men will stumble and fall. In a moment of rebellion, what if they go out and have sex and get pregnant? Are they going to have to leave this church? Let's just talk about it. Because a lot of people do. They have to leave a church Because they feel like no one will love them because they're condemned and they're judged because they messed up. I... Why? I started this to get people on the field, and there are moments when you have to get on the bench, and you have to heal, and you have to grow. And so, yeah, we may have a worship leader or someone who falls or something happens, and guess what? We we may put them over here, and we will work on a process of restoration, and we will love them because here's the deal: there's no difference. We're not going to condemn and hurt our people. But we've got to have people that they don't have to live perfect. And if there is a mess up, we're not waiting to kick them out of the church. On On the same token, we are for holiness. And we have to have a standard. And there's got to be both. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's a bench so that people can get healed. But we've got to get people back in the game. And they, everybody can't be hurt and go into different churches every time something bad happens because the reality is we're just going to have this revolving door. That's right. Come on, does that make sense? Yeah. Newsflash. I'm not perfect, and I already know you're not perfect. That's right. That's right. You don't even know me. I'm a guest. <laughs> Guess what? You're not perfect. Yeah. And so if we can all agree to that, that some days we're going to have great days and some days we're going to have hard days. But in all days, we're going to love people. Yes. In all days, we're going to love people. The last thing is this. Number four, the last thing is this. We've got to do right today. You've got to do right today. Look, I want, you to, I want to read this to you so that you can see this. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go. Go to such and such a city and spend a year there, buy, sell, make a profit. Whereas you don't know what will happen in your life tomorrow. For what will happen is your life is a vapor; it appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, "If the Lord wills, we shall live, and we shall do this or we shall do that." But now you boast of your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows, look at this, to do good and does not do it, to him it's sin. I know when we think about sin, we think about the biggies. You know what I'm saying? Molesting someone, something big, huge, major sins. But here's what I want to tell you. Is that how many times has God put something on your heart ask you to give that amount, give that dollar, go help that person, go over there and check on them, go buy and give them some food, go by, And God has sp- specifically talked to you about someone. But you were too busy. And you knew. I mean, you, you may have compartmentalized it and not really thought about it. And maybe it came back. Or God told you, I want you to start waking up. Early. I want you to start praying. I want you to start, I want you to get a Bible study. I want, I, I want you to join a life group. I want you to do that. And you kind of just put it off. Oh, that's, that's, that's weird. It's kind of me. That's just me. Can I just tell you that you will never do anything that doesn't promote you? So if God tells you to do something and move towards something life-giving, that is God moving you. Because the Bible says that God draws you and moves you from behind. And when he speaks to you about moving somewhere and it's life-giving, that's God ushering you into more healing. As we look at this, so many people, we got people here that you guys are, you know, Microsoft, got your, you know, your your schematic or your org chart, and you got like 5, 10, 15 years ahead. You know exactly where you're going to be. We hate you. (laughs) Just kidding. It's a kind of a love-hate thing. Uh, Others here, guess what? You're five or ten or fifteen years in the past, and I know that wound hurt, and I know that that thing is still real. And I'm not trivializing it at all. I I know, but here's what I'm going to say: You can't live in the past. You can't live in the future. God is a now God, and God is outside of time. And so God sees all the time, and when He looks at time, He wants to know what is happening now. What is happening right now. What are we doing right now, right now today? You heard about that person, right, that wanted a longer blanket. They wanted a longer blanket, so they cut off some of the top, took that top and sewed it on the bottom. A lot of times we try to flinagle time, but the reality is, we have a set number. And there, God is going to inspect how you lived your life. And this is not trying to be one of those messages where I have a 90 foot finger. But here's the thing, we can have so much empathy that we don't give people the truth. And the truth is that God has a plan for your life. And God wants to see you move into that plan. And God wants to make room for you. What are you doing today? Don't be, don't be deceived into thinking that you did all this yourself. Now, I believe in dominion. I do. I believe that we have dominion. And I believe that God gave us authority to create and to, do, and to move forward. But I also know that God has a plan. And God has a plan for you. And so in a nutshell... James is helping us overcome our conflict. And here's the process. What's in your heart? Who have you submitted to? Are you loving people? Come on, are you criticizing them? Because all of that will produce arrogance. And that makes us look like a church that is full of hypocrisy. And we don't want to be that. Someone today, maybe your heart's broken, and you need to give it your heart to the Lord today. Today, He's drawing you. Somebody else here, you love the Lord, but you, you need to submit to His process. Somebody else, you've been in the very room speaking evil against a brother or a sister because of what they did. Now, that doesn't negate what they did. They're going to have to handle their part. I'm talking about your part. You know, the Bible is always written to who reads it. It, it, It's not like, oh, man, this is a great verse for you. (laughs) It's a great verse for me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And lastly is this. Some of you. You've bought into the lie that your skill and your organization has brought you where you are. And you're on a timetable. And God is holding, the Bible says, He holds everything right here in the palm of His hand. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app.